Welcome to episode 575 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 575 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. How you doing over there? John's changed the view on me. What's that about? <laughs> you got to look at me. I'm going to steer you down, steer you down if you're annoying yeah, me. Yeah, because we look in the eyes. I'm not sure if this is going to work. What, what, what was this? So normally, what, okay, so so I'm going to paint the picture of the studios. We, we're in, what would you call this, dining room maybe? You would call it a dining room, at the dining table? Yeah, we're at the dining table. And we're in the corner of the dining table, in the back corner of the room. We've got the view f- outside. John normally sits I, beside me on my left. And today, for some strange reason, and it's always been like this, yeah. he's like a, a, across from me. Mm. So now we're looking like Lover's Lane here. Back in the old days, we used to just both so, be looking at one computer screen. Yeah, side to side, yeah. touching each other's legs. So what brought this on? I don't know. I just thought, time for a change, but I'm actually missing the view a little bit. <laughs> Get back over there. <laughs> We'll, we'll roll with it for today. Okay, there you go. Well, your view's me, so actually, mm. it's probably a better view. This is true. There you go, because I went to I went to the grinder. I'm going. I was going to book into the grinder uh, in the next week or so. Well, I went to her yesterday, and she said, "Bevan, ten out of 10. Oh, I don't know if I. And I she said, "My get... teeth are pretty good too." <laughs> <laughs> so she said, "Yep, now you tell Newsom, ten out of 10. So you got. Yeah, there's a high standard here, John. I don't usually get ten out of ten. I used to, but things are slipping. How's that flossing going? That's I why. did floss last night. Yeah, do you floss every night? No. no that's your problem. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name three of them. Keith the Ice Lord Manning. Hmm, how would I say? Uh, Chris Newbayer? Neighbour. Neighbour? Neighbour? He's like the neighbour next door. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Battleship. And Stan Laser Lezak. Nice, Laser Lezak. Okay, in this week's show, we've got a bit of a traditional show, to be honest. John's pulled out the old guns out really, haven't you? Mm-hmm. We've got news, we've got an age group of the week, we've got a high five, we've got John's history lesson. Yes. Yeah. And we've even got a high coach's corner, which is a weak coach's corner at best, but still. Oh, we're just going to be recapping a few things. Oh no, I see. I was going to do this. It's going to be my bucket list race. Yeah. I said last week I'm going to do this, so yeah. it'll be a few fairly punchy little uh, topics this week. Okay, and then uh, we'll do some questions and answers at the end. Okay, Jonbo, a few races on this weekend, and the first one we're going to talk about is the Outlaw Triathlon, based in the UK. We've talked about this the last few weeks. They do a great job over there in terms of a non-branded race that sells out, just get lots of good feedback, seems to have a really good vibe about it. No pro category, but still want to give the love to the age group winners. Kit Walker took it out in it's eight. It's non-pro. On, oh, that's team. No, that's, that's not. That's non-pro. 8.39, solid. 49-minute swim, 4.33 on the bike and a 3.12 run. Um, Martin Siak took second in 8.53 and Matthew Lehman took third in 8.54. So three fellas going under the nine-hour barrier. I wonder, I wonder how a top pro would go there. Seems like pretty quick time for, an, for yeah. a non-pro race. Yeah, exactly. On the girls' side of things, this is impressive. 50 to 54 year old female took it out. Uh, Jill Fullen from Bedford Harriers 
105 swim, 510 bike, and a 322 marathon, 944. That's just a good time. one minute shy of a dojo domination over Joe Carrot, former Epic camper. Oh, nice. 10.03, and she was just less than a minute in front of third place Louise Harris in 10.04. So looked like some pretty tight racing there for second and third. So nice work, everybody, at the Outlaw. I saw a picture on Facebook of old uh, Lucy Gossage who won Ironman UK, I think it was the weekend before, out there supporting on uh, at one of the hot spots so yeah well done all you guys that did the Outlaw at the weekend okay the other race we, well we had a couple of races but the one of the above big races we had was Ironman France and good to see Freddie Van Leer back on the on the podium oh, taking it a race smashing out smashing it on the bike yeah so swing James Creepers that's a dom- domination on the bike it is a domination on the bike not quite a dojo domination no. but he swam 49 Rode for 39 and ran and, and only made, needed to run a 257. He was still five minutes in front, so you kind of think he either exploded on the run or he was just uh, doing what he needed to do to, to get to the line. Is he still in the time frame of having to just complete? When did he win? 2012, was it? Maybe this is his last uh, year? Yeah. Can't, don't know off the top of my head, but I'll pull it up. Yeah, they're probably not too far off. Alessandro Di Giuseppe was in second place in eight hours 36, and Denny Chevron was in third in 8.39. And good old Nico Lamas still hanging in there. He did, what race did he do? Austria? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. and he did he get second? Uh, I think he may have done, yeah. Uh, he got uh, fourth here with a 8.40.54. And according to... Torsten's uh, ratings, Alessandro Di Giuseppe is now safe for his July slot and we're actually going to have him on the show next week so we're talking about the next cutoff date which is going to be the 31st of July. Uh, Carrie Lester and Annabelle Luxford also secured their spots. Uh, Carrie Lester took out the race, she swam 55 minutes, rode 5.19 and ran a 3.06 so she won an 9.27, 11 minutes in front of Annabelle Luxford and it looks like she did the majority of the damage on the run. Annabelle Luxford second and Nicole Valentine a distant third in 10.21. Only six female pros finished and only 11 pro males. I'm really struggling to find it. Normally I find this pretty quickly. So, um Anyway, moving on to Ironman Lake Placid. Brent McMahon set a new course record Jeez, by that, that, around that was a domination. Complete domination. And that's against Andy Potts. That's that's a it's a great race, isn't now, it? Now Andy Potts looked like he either just cruised the run when he knew he wasn't gonna win or he did explode. The other really impressive thing here is so it was a nine minute nine minute course record, but it was also a non wetsuit swim apparently for the pros. Um, so he swam 50 minutes, which is a bit on the slow side for him. So that obviously accounts for not wearing a wetsuit. Rode 4.35 and then ran a 2.43 for an 8.13.53. Jeez, that's a good result. Very distant second place, Andy Potts in 8.37. He only ran a 3.05. And we know that Andy Potts is a, you know, a 2.40, a mid to high 2.40s runner when he's on fire. And good old Justin Deere was uh, the only other man to go under the three-hour mark for the marathon he came in third place in 8 45 40 so you know yeah. what are your thoughts on mcmahon for kona because he had the other great result didn't he what was it? Oh, he's had multiple yeah, sub eight he's, he's on fire so yeah he hasn't you know he's definitely a contender you've got to have a great well you don't have to have a great run leg but if yeah he, he's a contender for, for sure absolutely if he can be with the pack coming off the bike he can run as fast as anybody i mean for you always got to think 
if Fredino is in shape and he's racing to his potential, I don't think anybody can beat him. But he's not going to necessarily have it be on fire every single time. So they've all got a, all got a chance. It's a bit like you know Tour de France is over now. Chris Froome, if he's fit and healthy, is going to beat everybody. But you know, if he gets a little bit sick or he's not quite a hundred percent, then he's going to get taken down. And and the guys were relatively close to him this year until the time trials. So you have to say that you know the guys like McMahon, Sebastian Keenley, they're, they're all in, the, in with a chance if uh, Frodo's not hundred percent on. What were your thoughts on the tour? Uh, it was some really, it's always interesting racing, and it was kept a lot closer this year because they didn't have the time trial till the very end. So that normally blows things out uh, fairly early when they have an early time trial. But the way that they structured this year, you know, going to the time trial, it was, you know, less than a minute covering the first few, and anybody could have won. I mean, you knew Chris Froome was odds on going to smash everybody in the time trial, and he did, but um, kept it very exciting by not having the time trial. And do you like the on. way they do that? Yeah, it keeps keeps it more interesting, and there's always that what if sort of factor. If you know, if you have one bad day, all of a sudden you're you know you're in, in danger. Whereas you know, Froome and Durain that that and they'd have two minute lead, and even if they had a bad day, they could still probably hang on. So yeah. that was it was good. There was some fantastic racing. Kind of always knew that Froome was probably going to win, but um, racing for second was second and third was fantastic. So yeah. pity about the Kiwi boy, eh? Bow. Oh yeah, yeah. Pity about him. What about him? He got sick. No, that wasn't Jack Bauer. Who that was, was it? Um, um, George Bennett. George Bennett, but he got sick. It was very, very, yeah. really pretty good. He was like top sick. 10, wouldn't he? Um, he was just drifting a little bit, but yeah, top 15. Uh, we're so, not mentioning the females in Lake Place, and we're not because we're sexist pigs, but there was no pro female race at that race. Got to give Daniel Clark a bit of love there in seventh place. Uh, he does the tri splits. TrySplits.com, which oh, I really? often refer to um, when I'm looking up pros results. And that's where you, I can chuck in Fred, Frederick Van Leer's details. No, we, we won 2013, so he's got this year and next year. Right. Okay. Uh, so he finished in seventh place in 9.07.54, so good work. And also, a guy we had on a while ago who did that run across Haiti, uh, Chad Holderbaum, was finished in ninth place. And he's whilst he's racing as a pro, we heard in that interview, very much uh, an age group working athlete. Yeah, Swanee Noah, what other race have we had on? Have we had any other races on? Swanee Noah sent me through an email. Wait, you, you, you go on, okay, so well, we had the Alaska man on the weekend before last. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm going to bring up Swanee Noah's email. And Mike Threadgold sent us an, an email saying we didn't mention it last week. So I encourage you guys to send in emails of iron distance races. If we don't mention them, please send them in because we do want to give them some, some love. So the Alaska man overall winners, uh, hold on, I'm going to. We had a quick pause there because John was a little bit confused, but we're back. He, sometimes he just throws a hand at me. Pause. Pause. So it. I quickly jump on the pause because I'm fast like that, and then we're back into it. So, John, what, what, what are you saying? I, I thought they had Alaska Man last year, but I can't seem to find the 2016 results. But Alaska Man, as you can imagine, would be a pretty fresh swim. So this was kind of a Norseman type race. We had a guy, um, Jimmy, who's been on a couple of the Kona camps doing the Alaska Man race. And there's a picture of him coming out of the swim. Got the blue 70 Helix on, looking good. But he's also got the gloves on, the booties on, and he's got like a diving, uh, sort of diving hoodie helmet on yeah, yeah. and a cap over the top. And there's just part of his face coming out. And my God, he just looked hypothermic. Oh, really? He just did not look <laughs> in his happy place. Uh, I'm just wondering. They've got a great stats page. 
chair that's got everything except the temperature of the okay. uh, <laughs> temperature of the lake, but it looked cold. And then it's a it's a beautiful bike course by all accounts. And then you the run you end up going up a mountain a bit like uh, a bit like Norseman. So the stats were they had three hundred and seven people registered, one hundred and eight did not start. God, that's a, that's a high yeah, percentage. Yeah, I found that interesting, eh? Yeah. So 198 starters, um, 41 or 20% of the field did not finish. So 157 finishes. Um, they had 1% who did 11 hours, 4% did 12 hours, 8% did 13 hours. The biggest percentage was 17 hours, 27%, 18 hours, 10%. Uh, 132 males, 26 females. Median age, 44. Youngest was... 24, oldest was 61, and he fast, he was fast. Did he take it out, did he? He took it out. In 11, He's the fast one. He, 11 hours, 18 minutes, and 29 seconds, and Morgan Chalfin took out the girls' race in 12.47. Other cool things that they've got here is uh, they've got King of the Mountains record for the seven miles on Alaska. Um, you, you don't want that in a race, do you? You don't want to promote King of the Mountain on an Ironman, do you? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> uh, Especially in an epic race. So that's from mile, I presume this is from mile 20 to 27, because I think that's where you finish to run with this mountain climb. Took him one hour, 58, 56 to do that section of the, the run. And on the girls' side of things, Heather Moon did it in two hours, 30 minutes. So... Some pretty cool pictures, and so if you want a Norseman type event in a pretty remote location, then check it out. So just going back to Swanee Noah's email, Emma Twig got 10th in France, I'm in France, mm-hmm. and we think she's, a, he thinks that, well, there's an article about Emma Twig, the Olympic rower. Yep. And she quit the sport. So is that the same girl? Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. So it's the sisters, isn't they? Like that. Are they? Okay. Mm. Well, yeah, so pretty good effort in your first, well, I don't know if it's the first Ironman, but to pull off top 10, pretty good effort. Great. Emma, love your work. Welcome to our world. Mm. Okay, John, we also have... Super League. Super League, okay. So Super League has now announced that the Super League Triathlon is going to Jersey, UK. 50 of the world's leading male and female triathletes are going to have females this time, including 25 Olympians from around the world will compete in Jersey, UK for Super League Triathlon crown in September 2017. The race format, Saturday's triple mix format, will see athletes compete in three stages of competition with alternating sequences and a 10-minute break between stages one. Same as what they did. So it's the exact same format. Exact same, except they're not having the mountain hill climb that they did in the first one. Yeah, remember in Hamilton Island they did a yeah climbed up this big hill and did a T-shirt in each lap. You mean on the on the bike they did that on the Friday, I think it was. Oh, that's what I did too. So in terms of the the rest of it, it all looks very much similar. The difference is. That it is going to be have females racing as well, which is going to be uh, fantastic. And look, the timing is critical with these with these events to in order to be able to get the top field. And th- this is very much an ITU field. Yeah, I mean, we saw last time when they had some you know, medium to long distance athletes like Brent McMahon, who's just won you know in fantastic fashion in Lake Placid. Terenzo, those guys just got absolutely yeah. smoked. Uh, so it is very much an ITU event. And they've got, you know, all the good girls seem to be signing up, a lot of the, the, the Euro, Euro athletes. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the girls' race pans out if it's the same as the guys. The guys ended up being, you know, big packs generally um, when they're on the bike. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the girls' race splits up any more than the boys. Well, what are the lessons that the athletes would have learnt from that first one to take into this one? <sighs> 
it's just complete speed. Um, I don't know if there's any particular lessons. It was uh, just a slightly different sort of athlete is taking them out, and 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 guys like Gomez, who's just getting a little bit, little bit past it in terms of top end speed. Top end speed. He was. They were taken down. You ca- you can't be weak in the swim. That's probably one weakness. Like someone like a a mullet. But that being said, Richard Murray ended up winning it. So that's probably actually crap because he's he is, is he's, a, he's a little bit weaker swimmer. Okay. Um, but I just, I'm just looking forward to it. You know, we had different winners. You had guys like the, the, the top guy. And, and, the, and the top swimmer. Um, his name eludes me at the moment. Richard Varga. You know, he took out one race. So I just think it's exciting to see different winners. You know, Richard Murray ended up dominating the dojo, but um, lots of other athletes had a crack. It was. And it would be interesting. Do you know much about Juicy UK? No, it's sort of in between, well, closer to France than it is to, to Germany, sort of tucked in there. I'm picking, it might be a little bit cold in September, okay. um, I, I'm guessing, so it's right up the north of France. Um, no, it's a tax haven, I think. Jersey, UK? Mm. So is it in France? Well, it's between Jersey and France, but it's a British territory, I think. Oh, okay, there you go, I knew nothing about it. Um, well, I just wonder what the crowds will be like. Uh, is it a bit like the last place where it's a bit of a resort town? So it's a resort town. It's more of a tax haven. So I, I would imagine that crowds will be better, but I don't imagine they'll be huge. And it's a TV product. Let's be honest. So mm. it doesn't, the crowds don't matter. But it'd just be kind of cool if they were. But yeah, good. I, I, I really loved watching the last one, and I mm. watched every, all of them. I didn't watch them all live. But the great thing is they got them on the internet pretty quickly, so I could watch them without knowing the results. It was entertaining. Mm. It really was. They put a great package together, so good on Super League for keep it going. John, another piece of news we had this week was an article sent through about Wonder Sports, or Wonder, the, the company, and there's some really interesting things coming through from this article. So the article is about how they're in a bit of trouble in China. Um, they're in a bit of scrutiny, and in some way, reason, it's basically saying it's finding it hard for them to get loans. They're basically cutting off their loan options because they've been spending a lot of money. But it's interesting, within this article, they say how much they spent for Iron Man. So they bought Iron Man for $650 million in 2015. That pales in significance to some of the other <laughs> investments that they've bought in terms of legendary entertainment, $3.5 billion yeah. and AMC theatres uh, 2.6 billion yeah. and Infront Sports Media which is a Swiss sports marketing company for 1.2 billion uh, they bought Atletico Madrid for 52 million uh, they they got Hoyt Cinemas in New Zealand and Australia uh, so they've done a lot of investing. So um, we'll, if you're interested in this, we'll probably I don't really know too much about it um, but we'll, well put it on the website. Basically it seems as though it's a little bit of a political thing if you read the article, mm. but basically at the moment it seems like it's hard for them to get loans, and so they're basically selling a lot of stuff, and apparently they sold something which they've only literally announced in the last period of time, but their ratings have gone down to triple B, being, yeah, being negative, triple B negative long term. That's actually pretty low. That's a bit of a concern mm. for a company because I think they've only just gone on the, on the um, stock exchange recently as well. So that could be a concern. Maybe they'll be trying to offload Iron Man soon. Who knows? Mm, so we'll be, look, we're keeping an interest on the story moving forward. Uh, Jombo, coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman Switzerland and Ronnie, nine-time champion. Can he be a Cam Brown? Oh, it's getting pretty close. And it doesn't look like he's slowing down or, or retiring anytime soon. So you kind of got to think maybe he will. Wow, Bloody impressive. So his winning streak started back in 2007 and he's won every year then since. Uh, yeah, lost 2014. Every year except 2014. So impressive stuff. That is that is 
Impressive. So what's the field looking like? Will Clark? Will Clark's pretty sharp. He is, but I'm sure he raced in the last couple of weeks somewhere. Uh, I can't quite, I think it might have been Ironman UK, but he has uh, raced very recently, so I'll be surprised if he races. You also got Alessandro Di Giuseppe there, but he raced last weekend. Um, possibly the one that could challenge him would be Nick Castellin. He's an improving Australian and has had some really good results. Uh, also, Rudy Wild hasn't done many iron distance races, and he's a fantastic 70.3 athlete. So if he puts it together, he could be one that could be a, uh, a real contender. But uh, as yet, he has not done it on a consistent basis. His predicted time is 8.26 as opposed to Ronnie Shieldnick's 8.15. So um, yeah, I think what we're going to see from here on in is we're going to start to see lesser, less of the big guns uh, racing because they'll all be getting ready for Kona. Carrie Lisa in the, in the female field, she's the favourite by but quite a bit. But she won't be racing because she just won Ironman France last weekend. Oh, true. So who knows who's going to take this one out. It's, it, uh, it's a second tier field, isn't it? It is. And it's uh, 11% of the typical Kona field and that includes when you've got Carrie Lester listed. So it's not a stellar field on the girls' side. On the guys' side, equally, if you took... Um, Ronnie Shieldnick and possibly taking Will Clark out of there. It is, um, we're at that stage of the season where it is going to be a lot of the second tier athletes, but that doesn't mean to say it's not going to be a great race. Um, just don't have the, the big names there. It could be really close. Okay, we've also got Ironman Canada and it's a female pro race. So, can the Joycenator? come back to the party and take it out. She is predicted to come in a 9.09 as opposed to Lindsay Corbin's 9.25. So, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to see the return of Joycey. She's shown some pretty good form over the 70.3 distance, so let's see if she can uh, crush it over Ironman. But she's got 18 Ironmans under her belt. Pretty solid. Yeah, well, she's, she's an ex. She is. And there's uh, 20, 22 females listed. Torsten's got Rachel Joyce's winning odds at 85%. There you go. Put the money on it, team. Put the money on it. And uh, Lindsay Corbin, we've also got who, anyone else of note? Not really. Let, let's just grab someone. Uh, Madison McKenzie. I'm going to plug her into good old uh, trysplits.com. Okay. And we'll see. Where did I have it up before? Here we go. So on trysplits.com, you can just plug in athletes. If you've got any pro athletes, you don't know anything about them. As long as you know how to spell their name correctly, you should be able to find them on here. Uh, so Madison, Madison McKenzie. Let's see what she's done. What's she done, John? She did Ironman Boulder this year. Got ninth. Ironman New Zealand got tenth. Arizona got fifteenth. DNF uh, in Brazil. Sixth in Arizona. Let's see. Her highest ranking was in Challenge Penticton. She got a second there. Ironman Canada in 2014. She got a third there, and a second at Ironman Florida. So there you go. She's a solid athlete. Trispits.com. And tryrating.com. Yes. Put them in your bookmarks, team. Put them in your bookmarks. Okay. That's pretty much the news for this week. A oh, cu couple of other things. Oh, you've um, chucked some stuff in there. Yep. A uh, couple of other little mini results we had over the weekend. We had Challenge Roma, where we had Sven Riederer and Laura Sedell taking it out. Laura Sedell's back racing after Rote. It just blows Was me it a 70.3? Yes, half distance race. She won in Jeez, three she's hours, a good year, isn't minutes. she? And then uh, we had Challenge Iceland. Justin Metzler took out Trevor Wirtle and Jenny Seymour took out Heather Wirtle. So the Wirtles both took second place. And then Challenge Penticton, Leon Griffin took it out. 70.3 Calgary, Heather Jackson and Josh Amberger. And that's about it. You got that from Troy Rating, didn't you? I did. From Thorsten's email, that's why. Yeah. Okay, John, sponsor, you're getting sick. Get your immune boost into you. I'm a little worried, Bevan. Tell me about I, it. But I, uh, I went for a run last night. With the filinator? Yeah. 
I had so after the race, the Philinator and I did a thirty about a thirty minute shuffle. So we raced on Sunday, and then Monday we had off. Sunday. Tuesday, when we did road, oh, we okay. raced Sunday, took Monday off, and then we were flying Tuesday night. And I said we've got to go for a run, do something before we fly. It was abysmal. We could hardly move. It was it was six minute K stuff for us. It was not pretty. And then coming back here, I think maybe on Saturday or so, I went out for a little early morning run. Felt pretty good. Yep. Last night, after a few days of skiing, and did oh, th- you did, went skiing. Did thirty minutes core before we went for the run. Ran for an hour. Oh, it was not pretty. I was KO'd for the rest of the evening. Uh, and then I was Blinder's been really sick, and I was then I started thinking, oh no, I'm coming down with it. So I've started pumping the immune boost in the hope it saved me plenty of times before. And I just. Uh, and the stalker sent me a text this morning. Sound like she's getting sick. She said, can you leave some immune boost in the letterbox? I'll pick it up later. It's like a magic pill, John. It is. So immune boost, daily power-packed multivitamin. Check it out, xendurance.com. Use the promo code IMTALK20. You get a 20% uh, discount. It's a daily multivitamin for men and women, uh, optimally formulated to help nourish cells, tissues, and body organs against damaging free radical attacks. Watch out for those free radicals, man. They're going to attack you. Exactly. Not with John Newsom because he's got this boosting thing he puts in him and it uh, keeps the immune strong. That's what we're after. Yeah. So remember promo code IAMTALK20 for 20% off. Okay, so last week we had a discussion of the week and it was what defines a legend because it was, what, what, what's the race? So Embra Man next year is going to have an Olympic distance race which is going to be legends and they've got some awesome names in there. Yeah, they've, they've got, got some legends. Yeah, Melina, they've got Tinley, uh, I think Rob Burrell. Actually, that's one thing I forgot to mention. Rob Burrell did really well in... Yes, good old uh, our Dutch friend, big, big, big miss, I think we called her. She was saying that over there in Ironman France at the weekend, Rob Burrell, uh, well, they had two Dutch Olympians racing. Uh, Rob Burrell took out the 60 to 64 race, and Eric Vanderlinden, who used to be a great ITU athlete, um, both got their slots for Kona. And their third Olympian, Dennis Luz, also qualified for Kona in Ironman Lanzarote. So that was from. Marjorie Zekan. So the uh, Olympics, something the Dutchies, they just keep on going. They may have been to the Olympics, but they keep on going later on. But back to our discussion of the week, it was, yeah, they had some fantastic legends lined up for Embra Man doing this Olympic distance race. They had a few other names that I thought, they're pretty good, but Not I don't know if I'd classify them as legends. So what defines a legend for you guys? And, and in this, we're thinking of athletes. Mm. Because like on, on our podcast, We've had some people who are administrators mm-hmm. or people who have been involved in the sport who definitely are legends, but, you know, wouldn't sit in the athlete's foot corner. So you go first, John. Good old Arnold Sulikoff. He said one third of it is down to their palmaries, which is their sort of results. One third goes down to their character and one third goes down their ability to achieve more or better. Look at Keenlay and Frederick Van Leer. Pretty much similar palmaries, but one will go down as a legend the other might be forgotten. Good do, point. Do you think Ken will get in as a legend? Yeah, yeah. You think? Definitely. He's one. Uh, we'll go into what I think later on in terms of what defines a legend, but yeah. Okay, uh, Scott Wolseley's got someone who defines the term, someone who has earned the respect of their peers and students of the sport for their achievements equal to their contributions to the sport, including, but not limited to, uh-huh. first two, 
these are um, just Break, gonna, like breaking a barrier, yep. eight eight hour barrier. Um, especially if break if it broke a barrier. So who was the first? Luke Van Leer. No, Lothar Leader. So it was the first break eight? Was he okay? Um, most is the most consecutive wins or something. Innovations, training methodology ahead of its time, uh, perseverance ver- uh, through adversity, and inspiration to contemporaneous athletes as well as those that followed. It's pretty, it's pretty Scott Worsley doubles it up there. Oh, he backs it up. He says, in Greek mythology, all heroes exemplify a set of virtues. Those virtues include love, strength, consistency, confidence, equanimity, creativity, courage, diligence, focus. They're imperfect, authentic, optimistic, grounded, and enthusiastic. God, you had to do a lot to be a Greek god, didn't you? Well, John, you would have got all of them. Yeah. There you go. Mick Simpson's got legends to me means someone who has surpassed expectations or given you a defining moment in the sport. When I think about legends in other sport, I have one achievement that comes to mind above all for that person. Stephen Gerrard in Istanbul, for example, or your favourite football manager, Brian Clough. <laughs> now it's like yeah. Buff. Uh, who won three league titles and two European Cups with an average side. That's why our friend Brian Clough, like Buff, there's a legend on this show, John. We should get him on for an interview. We should. Someone knows him. Get him on. We'll interview him. The grinder who ground Bevan. Ten down out of ten. Yesterday. She gave me ten out of ten. Uh, a legend is. She ground so- me down yesterday. Yeah. Did you say? A legend is someone who has left a legacy in the sport, either through performance, longevity of their career, or other noteworthy endeavours off the pitch. I would like to get Brian Clough on because I love the idea of anyone who's been a great leader, or like a coach, mm-hmm. what they did to get the best out of people, mm-hmm. especially if Clough got people like average sides. You know, you, you see those coaches who can take something average and make it amazing. And we've got to say, because we, we were away when the third Lions test was on, I think, and I'm not sure if we really commented on it, but that was our contribution from the All Blacks, allowing world rugby to think they've got a chance. So yeah. we sort of did a favour. Whenever you put four nations together to try to beat one, yeah. you know, and they draw, that's good effort. Yeah, that's, so that's a good we've effort got to say, we don't, we, don't, we don't want to kill rugby off. And if we just no. thumped you in every every yeah. game, that's right. which we have been for the last 100 yeah. years, we would have just said, oh, whatever. Um, Lucy Francis, legends only apply to those who have raced in the 80s a bit like an antique they have been around the sport for almost 40 years well, there you go how Telfin's got if they swam they rode they ran apparently they are legends nice oh, that's a agree. good one there because it's a that's a that's a comment on our show John exactly Tony Buckingham anyone who has been on the legends of triathlon and then Paul Denton's got what Scott Walsley said he did, Scott Walsley did really do a good job I thought that it's it a really good point by Arnold Sulikov like so would would we put down so my, uh, Pete, um, Jacobs. Pete Jacobs or Freddie Van Laird as a legend of our sport. Well, I think in some ways they, I but think you win Kona, you get a status, don't you? Mm. You know what I mean? Like anyone who's won Kona, there's not many people who've done it. So mm. in some ways it puts you up on a pedestal. Freddie Van Laird's won some big races outside of Kona, but. Oh yeah, no, I would absolutely would, but it's just for whatever reason. But then you go like a Cameron Brown, it's Cameron Brown legend. Yeah, no, I'd, and he was another one I was going to bring up an example. For for me, it it's that longevity and consistency that they're just constantly in the news all the time. So, you know, Sebastian King. Have a glass of water. <clears throat> okay. So you so you so you threw it at me. No, get your immune boost into you before the show, John. <coughs> so oh, oh, you've worse. <laughs> Dying. That's why you stood over there. You tried to protect me. Thanks, exactly. Mac. Like, well, now I'm, I'm actually projecting my yeah. breath straight onto you. Great. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, it's it's around longevity and consistency. So I think to be classed as a worldwide legend, 
you really need to have been on the podium at a championship race, whether that be the Olympics, um, Kona, or potentially 70.3 Worlds. Um, I would say that's not year yet. No, not yet. Because can you name the last five 70.3 World Champions? If you won it loads of times in a row, potentially you would. Yeah. Um, but maybe, I think, maybe you'll get there, but I still don't think mm. 70.3s has to proceed yet, no. which is unfair mm. because you're a world champion it's, and, and they do get good fields, but it doesn't seem to hold the mana. So yeah, that consistency and, lo- consistency and longevity for me is is um, is a critical part. And for me, if yeah, to be a legend, world championship field, uh, podium, Olympic podium or ITU. So, so you would distance. say Cam is because he's got podiums in Kona? <sighs> Uh, but he, for him, it's got to be that plus his longevity and consistency. For someone, say, like a Radka Biki, who was on the podium a couple of times, I think, in Kona. Yeah, but didn't do much else. You certainly could argue. It, it probably won other Ironman races, but you could probably argue not as legendary as Cameron Brown. But his, for him, it's just that he's been around for so long. Keenlay, yeah. And Keenlay is in and the And won 10 Ironman New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. What about Ronnie Schildring, though? Would you call him a legend? He's, I don't think he's ever won, been on the podium in Kona. I'm almost certain of it. But he's won so, lots of other so races. So then you can do legend at this race. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Ronnie Schildring is a legend at that race. <clears> and Ironman Cam Brown is Ironman New Zealand's legend. Um, but Cam did get three top threes. Yes, you know, yeah. so that that does. But he didn't win it. Yeah, I'd certainly put him. I, I, so, we're biased because he's a Kiwi. Yeah, but no, but we are looking at results here. So then you put someone who did really well in Kona, maybe won it, but did nothing else in their career. Who, yeah, who that'd be well, or Pete Jacobs. But he had, he had a few podiums as well, and so has Freddie Van Leert. He's been right up there. Um, let's see if I can think of another example of someone who's been on the podium. Well, f- say Fernanda Keller. She's had gazillion top tens in Kona um, but she would have won plenty of other races hmm who's someone who's just been a one hit wonder in Kona yeah that's really, I'm trying to pull up the results I had up earlier um, I'm in I'm in I'm in someone like Luke McKenzie he's been on the podium once but won lots of races elsewhere I'd still consider yeah, uh, yeah it becomes quite tricky that's not legend yeah that's not like to be honest I sp- maybe what we could say is in their time they were a certain level in the sport. Mm-hmm. Like in 20 years from now, Jan Fredino is talked about forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we think about, let's go 20 years ago, who gets talked about? The top four? Yeah. The big four? Mm. Yeah, Mike Pig? Smattering of others, yeah. Mike Pig, um, maybe Rob Burrell for the Europeans. Yeah. yeah. You know, realistically, there's probably eight guys and then mm. girls, you're going to say Baker. Um, Newby Fraser. Newby Fraser. The Pontos twins. Yeah. You know, really, in tw- like we think 20, 30 years from now, Mm. There's only going to be a handful of athletes spoke about, and that's what a real legend really is, isn't it? Mm. And so, if we think between years from now, well, in the last period of time, it's going to be Maka, mm-hmm. Crowey, Fredino. Yeah. You know, it is a pretty high standard. Oh yeah. Now, for geeks like us, or like you more than me, because you're more <laughs> of a geek than I am in this stuff. But you know, for everyday people, we might go, "Oh yeah, well, young um, Freddie Van Lee was a really great athlete." Mm. I don't know if you go down as a legend. No. You know? He'd still be eligible to go on a Legends race yeah. but in terms of someone who you'd go So like Molina only won Kona once, but outside of Kona, he played was a rock mm. star. So, you know, the top four. So I actually think we need a higher standard for Legend. Mm. You know, like really. And I think time will show that. You know, I think time will show that there's going to be a, we'll think back to the 2000s or the 2010s. You know, 2000s, you're going to say Peter Reid. Yep. Tim maybe Boom. Tim DeBoom. Mm-hmm. Who else? Norma Stadler. Yeah, Stadler's a legend. Yeah. 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 Would and you say Ferris? Uh, 
Personally, I probably would. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be thought of in 20 years from no, now. No, no. But Stadler certainly would just because he, he had the character oh, and, yeah. and his performance were dominating as well. Yeah, whereas, and, and he was he changed the game for a bit there, didn't he? Mm. You know, and he won it twice. Whereas Ferris was a nice, good, solid, steady contender. Amazing results won but, Germany. Yeah, because he won the big races. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I'm going to be a little bit harder. I actually think it needs to be a high standard. Mm. I think that, you know, in each era, there's probably going to be four or five athletes. Mm. At least we're only talking iron distance here. And in the last era of girls, you're going to say Rinny, Chrissy, Reef. At iron distance. Yeah. Yeah, at iron distance. Yeah, you know. Then short course, you'd have Snowsill, probably Fernandez. Girls are so much more fickle because, especially at ITU distance, you had some girls that have come on and they've just crushed it for a season, maybe two, and then they disappear. Yeah. Especially Canadians. Don't know what it is over there, but God, you've had some good girls and they've uh, just blown themselves out. Yeah, it is crazy, isn't it? Hmm. A second, I've just got, I've got the world results here. So, well, it's pretty obvious with the girls in the last period because, so girls are just going to say Reef, um, Wellington, Carfrey have been for the last moment. Badman. Absolutely. At Badman. You say, you say Bowden? She won it twice? Yeah. Was she much outside of there? Uh, yeah, no, she she won plenty of races outside of there. Heather Few would be another one. You'd say she only she won, won it once. once. She was very consistent elsewhere. Is Karen Smyers a legend? Yeah, definitely, because she won over all distances. Did she? Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Paul Newby Fraser. Uh, Michaeli Jones. Put her in there as well, definitely, because she won over all distances. And she won once in Kona, didn't she? She did. What year did she win Kona? Wait a second. 2005, I think. So no, it's six. six. Yeah. It was five or six. Okay. Uh, Aaron Baker. There's not as the Pontos twins. Gills are pretty obvious when you look at this list here of champions. Whereas guys, you've got the big four in the 80s. Then you've got the Germans like Luke van Leer, Hal Regal. He's Belgian, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, Peter Reed. Jürgen Zach. So really, of the ones who have won it, who you may be dubious of legendary status, you'd say, um, you'd say Peter Jacobs, Pete Jacobs, Luke Van Leer. No, definitely not Luke Van Leer. Freddie, oh, Freddie Van Leer, sorry. Um, and Faris Al Sultan. Mm-hmm. Of the guys who have won it, who may not get the legendary status. Because mm. otherwise you're saying, you win Cohen, you get legendary. Mm. Which in some ways you do. Mm. You get the memory. Mm-hmm. Good discussion. Great. This week... Yeah, you've, I believe you've heard and caught up on the news on the Collins Cup. And do you guys, what do you guys think of the Collins Cup? I think it's kind of cool, but what do you guys think? Is it something you would actually sit there and watch? Yeah, well, that's only Joe Public's going to, so if we don't, they're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's a big thing. Yeah, so if, you, if you're someone that sits there. And we'll get yeah. him on. The guy who was. Ho- I've emailed um, someone this morning to try to get him Perfect on, Charles. Yep. Um, do you, is it something you guys, is it going to captivate you to the same level as Kona? So at the moment, for me, Kona's probably just about the only iron distance race I watch in terms of any live coverage. Mm. If there's something else on, I might come and go in, in, in and out of it if it's, uh, if it's on when I'm at my computer, but I'm not going to sit there and watch an Ironman Frankfurt at Kona. I'll have the computer on. If, if we're not in Kona, I'll have it on all day. I won't be sitting there for eight and a half hours, but I won't. I'll be, I have done that. Yeah, I'll be coming, coming and going um, from it. Is the Collins Cup, Collins Cup going to be that much of a draw for you guys? And and also maybe what do you guys think that it's going to take for them to be successful and to, to really get the appeal for you guys? Okay, we'll leave the discussion to next week. Let's put some music on, John. <laughs>
Gruber of the week. week and Colin Hungry Like a Wolf Durant sent through this one. He's got tell us why you like to nominate this person. Vicky Nellon. Vicky Nellon it's Vicky done her first ever triathlon, let alone Ironman in Frankfurt. That's pretty impressive if your first one's an Ironman in Frankfurt. She was very nervous about the whole thing, especially the swim, as you can imagine. However, as Mr. Hal Davidson, Hal Tal, uh, as her coach, she shouldn't have worried. She got out of the swim in around 107. That's pretty solid effort for your first Ironman Very swim. Very solid. Had an outstanding bike of 535, despite losing 13 to 15 minutes trying to look for her Garmin that fell off in the cobbles. Did you just Crikey. let it go? Okay. If it was going to cost me 13 to 15 minutes, I would. <laughs> one minute, I'd, I'd go back and get it. It's a funny one, that one, isn't it? Because there's a cost of buying a new Garmin. <laughs> That's true. You know, And then there's is it six. Is, what does it cost you for a new Garmin? Five hundred or something like that. Okay, Ball, so, ballpark. so fifteen bucks for fifteen minutes for five hundred bucks. You know, there's that aspect. <laughs> um, and then she ran, uh, being this, uh, the run being her strongest. She was thirteenth fastest of all women in a time of five twenty five for an overall time of ten eleven and fifth in her age group. If you take away the Garmin searching, she would have come second in her age group and done a sub ten uh, Ironman in her first ever race. Pretty impressive. That is amazeballs. Yeah. Imagine that in your first race. Very impressive. Man. What I'd love to hear from people as well, I mean, um, for, I'd, I'd love to hear a comparison for people that have done Frankfurt and Rote and what's the differences in, in those races in terms of um, what it sort of feels like. You know, they're two German races this year. They were on the same day. Um, so if anybody has done both of them, pop, pop us a note. But back to Victoria Nelson. Niel- Amazing, 107, 535 with a Garmin malfunction pickup and a 325, 10-11, 5th in her age group on debut. And what I've got to give a praise about here, Jombo, is most people screw up their Ironman, don't they? You know, most people, what's the story of the first Ironman? Oh, I was feeling good till the second half of the run. Yeah. You know, that's a complete performance, isn't it? She's Absolutely. had a perfect triathlon race. A 107 swim is a great swim, a great bike of 535, and then, you know, one of the fastest runs of the day across the whole field. That's mm. that's like an experienced athlete doing a great race. Mm. So to do that on your first day, Victoria, you are an absolute rock star. You are our... Age group of the week. week. <laughs> Love your work. Okay, go on, John. Three, two, one. Coaches Corner. Okay. Last week, I said, what's on, I think, I don't know if I said or you said, but what's on my bucket list? Okay, I'm going to put my bucket list as well. Yep, this is triathlon bucket list. Uh, you, you, can, you can do anything bucket list. <laughs> I was going to do something really wrong there, but I want to stop. Right at the moment, Embram Man is number one on my bucket list. Okay, well, well, don't, just, don't name them. Why? So if any of you guys watched the Tour de France recently and they went up, uh, finished at the top of the Col d'Azard, which is an amazing climb and uh, it was a very good solid stage as well. It's just, I've got one, two, three races on here that are French races. There's just something about racing in France that just appeals to me, probably because I've spent quite a bit of time racing there back in the good old days as it was. But Ember Man, you swim... Beautiful swim on a lake. You start in the dark. Melina always tells a story when they're, when they're going away. There's a boat and it had this massive big bonfire on the back of it and you just got to follow the fire. And the bike ride, you go over all these uh, alpine passes and especially cold Izuard, it's just mythical up the top. There's these amazing rock formations. Uh, and then what appeals to me is, is the run is it actually a run you can run. Still challenging, but uh, it doesn't have that sort of Norseman type uphill run. So... Really challenging bike ride, but picturesque, and then a run you can run. So that's okay. number one. Okay, I'm going to do one as well. I'm going to say comrades. I'm not doing triathlon because yep. I'm just comrades. But 
And Marisa was saying that I inspired her to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I don't remember saying I wanted to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so thanks for that, Marisa. But um, everyone I know who's done it said it's balls. I'm not sure if I'm ready to do long, long running yet. So it'll probably be a few mm-hmm. years from now. But And if I'm able to at that stage, it'll be interesting as well. But um, and Would you want to run it as hard as you possibly can? Like race it or, or do you race that complete race? it? Well, it's all strategy, really. It just depends whether you want to max well, it out. I think it depends on what age you do it. So if I if I try to do it in the next 10 years, I'd want to do the best I can do. Mm. Uh, but that's a different game to what I've ever tried to play before. So it would be a bit of an experience. But yeah, I'd want to do it in a way where I felt I'd, I'd run a smart race with the best of my ability. Yep, I think running that distance, irrespective of how hard you go, is still hard. Yeah. But it's just... Because well, it's 90 k's, isn't it? About, uh, about 90. If you Google it, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Yep, so that's, that's one for me. Uh, next up the list for me is to do the Triple T in the States, just because it's got some history, it's a different format, kind of like the idea of racing on a on a couple of days uh, in a row. Sounds like a really cool little course, and um, yeah, just the appeal of racing on multiple days. So for those of you who don't know about that, you're basically doing an Ironman spread over three days. From memory, you have a sort of a prologue the first evening, the second day, I think you do two Olympic distance races, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, different formats, different orders. And then the third day, I think you do a half Ironman and you can do it as a team of two as well. So that certainly appeals to me. It is 90 k's. 90 k's. Or 89 k's. Um, a long way to run. That is a long way to yeah. run. Yeah. That is, it's, but you do it, mm. you know. Just to train for it. And yeah, exactly. Just go slow. Um, New York, we're doing it next year. Well, I've got to qualify for it, but, you know, yeah. I've never done a big city marathon. And I, I, with that one, I'm kind of want to do it well, but I kind of think big crowds will make it hard to do it extremely well. Mm-hmm. So, although... Lots of people do do well there. So, but it just, I don't know, I love New York. It's one of my favorite places in the world anyway. So to do a run where you kind of, you know, because a, a lot of races that are big city, you know, you're really only there for the finish line. But New York, you're in mm. the city. So I'm really looking forward to that. And obviously the crowds and the atmosphere. And, and it's nice, you know, being a little bit quirky, the best of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that I'm kind of a little bit in the f- to faster end of the field, I kind of really get to absorb the best of that experience. So, yep, bring on New York. Uh, Escape from Alcatraz. I'd like to do that one day. Although, do you hear what um, Do it Dooley said about it? No. He said it's a lot of money. Just to- oh, it's a huge amount of money. And that's what would put me off in terms of the entry fee. Yeah. But it's not a race that I'd want to go and do every year. But just it's just it kind of cool. Uh, just it's more the swim than anything else. Plus, the rest of the course looks really cool. But just the fact that you're swimming in that that body of water is is the appeal for me, and uh, and running up the sand sand dunes and things like that. So that rate that race appeals to me. I don't know when I'll get to do it, but the entry fee certainly does. Uh, it's like six hundred bucks, isn't it? Something yeah, crazy it's a lot. yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to say Norseman. I don't know if I'd ever do it, mm. um, but that is appealing. Just uh, like if if, I, if for me, and I may do long course again one day in my life. It needs to be a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, going fast, oh, maybe I'll try to, it depends on what time I'd come back into it. But if I did, I like, you know, for me, the sport's always been about the challenge. Mm-hmm. And there is a challenge in fast, but to do something epic like Norseman would just be pretty cool. Uh, I'd love to do the Iron Tour in terms of, so this was around and you very did popular. It, didn't you? No, I didn't. And that was one of my regrets. I had the opportunity to do it and I didn't do it. Uh, so the Iron Tour was sort of five to seven days long doing a triathlon every day. So, it's not the same as the Super League because you Could can't... Could have you done it? 
Uh, I could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the opportunity to do it one year when I was in France, and I chose to go and do something else. Um, what did you choose to do? I just went off and did a half Ironman. My first half Ironman. My God, did I explode! <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man, I still remember that. It was in the south of France, and that one was actually you got taken in a boat out to an island and then swam to shore, and uh, it was just smashing everybody, and I was smashing it on the bike, and then and it was. So what? You're winning it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was somewhere down near Marseille. And uh, didn't really know too much about nutrition back in those days and just exploded. So you were nothing like Victoria Nealon, were you? No, I was <laughs> First not. Race. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. That was back in probably 1998, I'd say, 1998 probably. So the Iron Tour, was, it was yeah five to seven days of doing a triathlon every day, different formats, um, but you also did it as a team. So you had a team of either five, I think it was a team of five that did it. So some one day you might have a, a, just an individual race, uh, an Olympic distance race, and then the next day you might do a team time trial. The next day might be some other sort of slightly different format. So you had team points and individual points as well. So just the, the idea of doing five days of racing back to back, that's what the real appeal was to me. And also being part of a team is, is really cool. Doing a team time trial triathlon is a lot of fun. If you've got five to seven guys that are of fairly similar ability. You just don't see it, do you? No, it's brilliant. Okay, my next race, which is a bit of an odd one, but in my time when I was doing Ironman, you know, I was pretty good on the bike back in those days and I always wish I'd done Tour of Southland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. and I got one year because it was quite hard to get on the tour. Being mm-hmm. a triathlete, they didn't really respect you. Mm-hmm. And then one year I think I got like top 10 in tour vineyards. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I was proved myself as a cyclist. Mm. And the next year I possibly could have done it, but that's when I started to move away from the sport. And I would have loved to have done that because it's pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And that would have been very similar to the, my Iron Tour experience. You would have been good enough to do it. You would have got smoked. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but just a cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next one for me would be doing Ironman Lanzarote or another race in the Canary Islands. I saw a challenge race that they had over there. I think it was the one that Brownlee went and did. And uh, it's just the scenery for me. It's just that it's different to Kona. It's not that rock. There is a lot of rock, but it just looks stunning scenery for me and I see the pictures from Lanzarote when you're up climbing up the top of a, a big hill and there's just these amazing vistas off out over the ocean so they appeal to me because a, with Lanzarote there's a bit of history but just the scenery looks amazing. I'd like to do a bricker. I think mm-hmm. I would like to do like a Challenge Wanaka bricker, or not Challenge Wanaka bricker, just Wanaka Uh I think that's kind of appealing, I'm not sure if it will happen soon. But You should be an adventure racer by the sound of it. What, you know like a... Eco like, challenge? You know, that would do something for me. I, I'd mm-hmm. like to do something like that. I like the interest in fatigue. Mm-hmm. You know, Brick is not fatigue. Brick is just a cool experience. I think to do that around Wanaka because we love Wanaka anyway and we've got kind of lots of kind of our roots around Wanaka in some ways. Um, so, and it's just a cool, something different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I will say my last one, I know you've got one more to go, but my last one, I, I wouldn't mind doing an adventure race. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't think it'd be that physically hard. I think I'm up to it, but just that kind of fatigue. And learning about yourself working with people under fatigue would be a pretty fascinating thing because I'm pretty tolerant, but in that <laughs> in that situation, you know, who knows who you become. So I think that'd be a really good learning experience for me as a person. So, Physical yeah. fatigue really appeals to me. The sleep fatigue does, yeah, not, well, does the, not appeal to oh, me so at I'm, all. I'm just interested to see who I become in that moment, mm. you know, so, yeah. And my last one I had down there, another French one, I'd love to do Ironman France. Again, a bit like the Lanzarote um, 
theme is just the scenery down there. It's just an iconic place to go and do a triathlon. You've got the history of of Nice, and then you've got this amazing ride up through the Côte d'Azur, beautiful climbs, and then you're running along the Promenade des Anglais. So it's kind of a, it's a combination of the history and the, the location and just the scenery. Okay, nice work. So good, good thing to think about, John. What's your bucket list? Maybe one day... You'll tick all those boxes. Working on it. Working on it. Working on it. Mm. A few to go. Uh, one, two, three, four. High, High five. five. Well, you joined me. You don't normally join me. It was good. Okay. I like a bit of reverb. Came in at the end. Yeah, nice work, guys. So you learned some, you were reminded, you didn't learn, you know it all, John, but you were reminded of some things in rote. So you've added a high five for things that I was reminded of in rote. And this, I get reminded of this every time we do a camp or I do a race. I just go, there's, there's often things I'm telling people, but I go, that's why I tell people these things. And so this is by no means uh, telling anybody off it um, from, from right. It's just things that all of us probably came away from it going, maybe I should have done that. Um, so firstly, picking your airlines carefully when it comes to weight allowances and bike charges and stuff like that. Going for the cheapest deal is not always the, the best idea, but check really carefully. So for us Kiwis flying out of New Zealand, we've got loads of different options to get to Europe. You know, we can go via anywhere via Asia, you can go via America, lots of different airlines to choose from, and then you hook up with different airlines once you get halfway. Um, but lots of different weight allowance rules so you know some of them got you only had 23 kgs of luggage some of them had 30 kgs of luggage sometimes uh, and then then the pricing for extra luggage changes massively so check those details out really really carefully and in my experience you've got to have the 30 kgs of luggage or above you can't get your bike and all your gear and everything into 23 kgs plus your hand luggage so go for one of the airlines that you either know how much it's going to cost for your second bag or you can go super tight and get it on uh, 30 kgs of luggage and if we learned anything from the camp if you can get to your race a few days early yes really you've got that, i've got you? that number five okay um, okay. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. Um, having your key equipment in your hand luggage. So we had more bikes disappear than ever before on when we went over to road. So in your hand luggage, you should have your bike shoes and your pedals. Ideally, your helmet, your running shoes, and ideally your wetsuit. So then. You can, if your bike doesn't turn up, at least you can go for a run, you can go for a swim, and you might be able to borrow a bike and you'll have your pedals and shoes and helmet to be able to ride. So it happens, and it happens quite often, especially if you've got multiple connections getting to a venue. If it's just going one place to one place, chances are your bike is almost always going to turn up. But if you've got lots of connections, so if you're coming from New Zealand or if you're going from the States and you're moving from um, going through several different airports... I'd suggest you do all those things. Okay, nice work. Number three. When you're going to race venues and you're going to do course reconnaissance, it's massively helpful to have a Garmin Edge computer, bike computer, or something similar that enables you to be able to preload um, routes or routes if you're Americans and then be able to have turn-by-turn instructions. I'm going to go through this on probably next week's show or the week after. But So for example, I've got a, a Garmin 820 and then I can map courses online before I go, import them into my device, 
turn your device on when you're over there and then you can basically go riding and it'll tell you every single turn that you need to make. Now you've got to make sure that you plot the route correctly. Now when we did the, like we rode a lap of the challenge road course, I had a few corners that were just slightly out, but uh, by and large, guys who had garments just uh, cruise around the courses otherwise you've got to be constantly looking at your maps etc so having a garment edge or similar where you can map and have turn by turn instructions massively helpful yeah especially when you're in new environments isn't it okay number four doing course reconnaissance when you've got a lumpy course like rote was huge i don't know how much time it would save but i'm going to say for me wouldn't be five minutes on the bike but it would be somewhere getting up towards that I would have thought what do you mean it saved you yeah just in terms of knowing what gear to be in in the right time knowing the parts where you really had to keep the pressure on also the parts of the course I knew that from around about sort of the 40k mark when you got to the top of the big climb at the end of the course there's sort of about a 15k stretch there I'd known from the training ride that it was significantly slower there's lots of false flats bit of headwind and so it gave me that peace of mind when I was slower in the race um, that okay, I knew that was going to be a bit slower and and especially in road with just so many twists and turns gearing knowing when the climbs are coming uh, was massively important so if you do get the opportunity to do that it's uh, it's massive. And well, I, well, I think also you know, you're talking about the calculated side of it. You know how do you make the better decisions because of the experience you have with the course beforehand. But but for me, it's also just mentally knowing the game. You know, like mm. I remember the first race I ever did was the race, and it was tough because I'd never ridden a bike and it was a pretty hard race. But the hard part was not knowing the course, mm. you know, and just mentally, what's going, next? when's this going to end, you know, yeah. like, and not knowing what's coming next. Whereas if you know, okay, coming up soon, I've got a pretty big hill coming up. And, you know, so mentally, if you've seen the picture in your head and you've experienced it in your head, like for an, any A race, if you mm. can, now some A races you might not be out for, it might be an off-road race, but any A race, you must check out the course mm. it's a no-brainer so if you're going to Kona and it's the first time you've been to Kona you're going this year the best thing you can be doing is driving um, down to the almost the end of the Queen K you go to a place called either Waikoloa or Hapuna Beach and go and ride the middle part section of the course there then you will have driven the first and last sort of 45 to 50k and you ride that middle section and often yeah that's going to take just going to fatigue you ever so slightly I mean you wouldn't do that two days before the race but if you can get there sort of five to six days before and riding 90ks yeah it's more than what you'd normally do in the taper but as long as you don't ride it hard then that's always going to out trump um, the little bit of fatigue that you're going to endure is going to be out trumped by knowing have a good idea of what the course is like and that kind of ties into point number five as Bevan said early, earlier it's good to arrive just a day or two earlier if you can. It's always that extra expense, but the acclimatisation and being able to ride part of the course is massively important. And also checking out the run course. You know, that was really valuable for, for us that yeah, went out and checked out the course because it was bloody hard and it was it was probably harder than I actually anticipated in, actually in the race just because you're fatigued when you're going up the climbs. But if I hadn't looked at that second the new 10k stretch and just experienced that on the day i would have had my socks significantly more blown off than what they were yeah okay so those are the top five anything else just as you're kind of wrapping it up that's it no, number five okay that's good that's good well done i would say pick your bag bike really well yes. <laughs> all, you know make sure you pack it in a way where the, the people who are in the bikes on the plane can't stuff your bike up because some people aka Phil and Ada, 
got a little yeah. bit screwed. What's happening with his bike? I was asking him last night. No, he's got it under control. Okay, that's good to hear. Insurance company's coming through. Uh, he'll be working on it. <laughs> good old insurance companies always come through, John. Yeah. Okay, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. Stalking Guns, tool. Stalking tool. And so obviously not everybody's on Athlinks. It's not, not everybody's on Facebook. But the cool thing is you just plug in somebody's name into Athlinks and you can at least see their unclaimed results. And... I found this intriguing because I thought I, th- I thought this yesterday. What can I talk about this week? Go and stalk some athletes. And so what I did is I had a look at the two guys that finished in front of me and wrote. Um, Danny Hanover was uh, six minutes in front of me. He's from Germany. He did eight hours forty-eight, and then in front of him was Stefan Metier from France in eight forty-six, and I did eight fifty-four. And I thought. I, I assume those guys aren't going to be on Athlinks, but I went on there and I plugged in uh, Danny's name. How the hell did that dude go 8.48? So last year in Kony, I only went 9.26. I'm in Austria, which is a faster course yeah. than wrote. I only went 9.04 last year. Went to the World Champs in 2015. Went to 9.34. I'm just going, how did he go so fast? Went in Barcelona in 2014. Went 9.03. And uh, it really got my head scratching. And then I did the same with... Um, Stefan Metier and he his killed it. That's what he did, John. He killed it. Was somewhat similar. So those dudes had the race of their lives over there. So well done to them. But for you guys out there, if you go to a race anywhere in the world and you want to know a little bit about the person in front of you uh, or people in front of you, just grab their names, chuck them into Athlinks, and especially on the new Athlinks site, you just plug their name in into the top and make sure you're searching under names, not under events, and their results just sort of pop up uh, underneath. You don't even have to press, press enter or anything like that. So even if they're not on Athlinks, if they've done any major races, uh, some of those results at least will be up there so you can kind of compare where they've com- come from and, and see how some of these people have uh, have progressed. So this dude, I mean, granted he did do Berlin Marathon in 2 hours 38 back in 2012, so he can clearly run, but uh, all the way back in 2012 when he went Why did they have their, have their best days on yeah. that day, John? Now, one other thing, Bevan. Yep. You, you told me to go and listen to the interview that you did with me after the race oh, when yeah. I was a little fatigued. Yeah, you swore. And I did listen to that, and it sounded like I was quite emotional and almost in tears all the way through. I was, I was, just, I was wiping the tears away, John. I was just losing my voice. I lose my voice no, when I race really, really hard. You were crying like a like, three-year-old. I really wasn't that emotional. I was very tired. And not in a great way, but uh, I wasn't bawling my eyes out. He was, guys. Seriously. Honestly, he was like crying me a bloody so, river. Athlinks.com, though, to go do your stalking. Um, I've got to say, when I was over in, in Rote, there was a guy I did an interview, but the guy came across the line. He goes, oh, my God, Bevan James Owls. And I'm like, oh, hey, mate. And, uh, you know, sometimes listen to the show. But this guy knew me from Body Attack, which is <laughs> the Les Mills thing. And um, I, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know this show. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm just doing some media work. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, because he, he really appreciates my work with him in my other career. And uh, and he goes, you inspired me to do Iron Man. I was like, oh, and I go, this is your first one? He goes, yeah, first one. He did 9 or 10. Nineteen, you mean? Nineteen, yeah. Wow. Nineteen in his first Iron Man. Yeah. I was like, man, it took me years to get to yeah. 905. Yeah. <laughs> so I was pretty impressed with that young man. Okay, Jombo, um, uh, let's hit, hit me with some music. Okay, history music. Here we go. John's history lesson. Okay, I'm man, aka Triathlon International Denise. 
So this is, I thought I'd bring this up because we had Nice last weekend and I think we've talked a little bit about this in, oh, in the past. I actually think we may have done a history, but hey. We'll do it again. It was a while ago. We'll, we'll celebrate Ironman Nice because it's on my bucket list. Yep. So Ironman Nice used to be the Triathlon International de Nice. Now this through 1982 through to 1993 was set up and run by IMG, which was the International Management Group, which is uh, basically a massive sports marketing company. They were involved in triathlon, but massively involved in, in other major sports as well. I think they quite heavily involved in golf so a big sports marketing business and that, that was their attempt to go to this iconic location and put on a cool race and have something that was going to try to rival uh, Kona and for a long time they got stellar fields uh, yeah it was kind of Kona then that race wasn't it it was yeah and Mark, you know, we talk about legends, and Mark Allen is clearly is a legend because of the way that he won Kona so many times and was just dominant in lots of other distance, other, other races. But in France, my God, he won from 1982 through to 1993. He won every single year except for 87 when we had our Kiwi Rick Wells take it out and in 1988 when the Rob Burrell took it out. Was he not there 88? Well, I don't know. Okay. It wasn't his name. Because he didn't get top three in either of those years. He didn't get top three in either of those years. One cool thing that a lot of people won't know about Mark Allen, spoke immaculate French. Did you he? know, they do the post race interview and spoke fantastic French. Wow. Yeah, so very impressive. So he had this amazing winning streak all the way through that period. Molina was up there on many occasions, got plenty of seconds and thirds there, and uh, as has Scott Tinley. So they really did draw the big fields on the, the girls' side of things. You had a variety of winners there Lynn Brooks, Linda Buchanan. Aaron Baker won in 1985. Rob Rowe won at 10 years apart. Nice. He won in 88 and then went back in 98 and won it again. Yeah. So through that period there, 1982 um, to 1993, it was run by IMG. And then in 1993, the French uh, Triathlon Federation took over the race and, and ran it from, from that time through to 2004 and in that time they had the ITU Long Distance World Championships there on a number of occasions Jenny Rose from New Zealand took it out in 1995 girls like Joanne King took it out in 1999 and then in 2004 uh, Marinda Carfrey took it out, I'm not quite sure exactly which years were World Championships but around about sort of the 2003 period the, n- the numbers did start to decline um, when they didn't have it as uh, an ITU World Long Distance Champs. Well, why did it die, John? Because it was like, it was such a, you know, like as we said, Kona, mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. They, they, they were the two races, weren't they? Well, in those early years, I think for, for the English-speaking part of the world, it may, may not have been in the same in, in the European eyes, but back then you would have had TV coverage of it in English distributed in America yep. and quite possibly around the world. I remember seeing um, Mark Allen racing against Simon Lessing and just running shoulder to shoulder on the run and then uh, Mark Allen just put the hammer down and dropped Lessing like a sack of potatoes and uh, and crushed him. Um, I remember Lessing, didn't we talk about that with Lessing when we had him on? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and at that time also when you got into the early 2000s they did establish uh, Ironman France at Girard Mere. So in 2002 they had Ironman Girard Mere which is a 
beautiful race. If you want to go and do an amazing half iron distance race, I, I'm not quite sure what it's called now, but the Girard Mere Triathlon is a beautiful race. It's in the, the Vosges Mountains in France, lovely race. So 2002 to 2004, they had Ironman France and Girard Mere, which would have taken numbers away from Nice. And at that stage, you know, races were popping up a lot more, so numbers were being distributed a lot further whereas in the days in the in the 80s and early 90s as we know there wasn't that many races on so um i think that's why their numbers especially really long course declined. races exactly so but, but that lessing race like because you would have been running those days going into that because was lessing dominating by that stage and in, in the shorter stuff uh because that seems that? a little bit early 1993 uh no he was he won the world champs here we go in nine he didn't win in 94 he won a 95 in Cancun. He won 90. He would have won 93. That was in. Come on, you can do it. No, one of them was in Manchester. Uh, might and the and the other one was in. Come on, John, you can do this. In Canada, in Muskoka. There we go. That was Muskoka. his first one. And what year was that? 93. I reckon that was probably 90. Nine, well, no, 93. Um, he got second to. Spencer. Spencer. Okay. Mm. So round about then, no, he was in his peak. So going that into time. that race, everyone would have thought, this is going to be an amazing race. Lessing versus well, Allen. No, this is the 90s. Baby. We've got no internet or anything like that. The, my recollection is just seeing it on TV. And I was, you know, there's so little triathlon on TV. It was on VHS. So I taped it yep. and just watched it hundreds and hundreds of times. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I've got no idea what oh, the, the leading into it. Yeah. Superstars of wrestling. What you going to do when the macho man Randy Savage? <laughs> uh, yep. And so then in 2005, though, it did then become Ironman France. So it moved from Girard Mere to, to back to Nice. And since then, it's uh, going strong and still going strong. But yeah, but it's not what it was. No, it's not. No. no. It's like, it's great mm. and it's cool, but it's not. It's on my bucket list, so it must be pretty important. Oh, in that case, actually, it's amazing. Amazeballs. I'm going to save our first question and answer because I was just, I was struggling for a bit of content last night and I've got all these different documents in this uh, and, and I pulled up one that was some questions and answers and I thought, man, a few of those questions are pretty old and I found one from 2007 from Torsten, so I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring that up next week. Okay. The next question and answer, we've got Andy McMillan. He's like, hi guys, I finished the inaugural uh, Edinburgh 70.3 yesterday and I thought I'd send you through a quick review. I'm sure you get more detailed ones, but this is a great course, so I thought you might like some quick bullet points. First of all, two transitions, point-to-point race was refreshing and very well organised. You don't see a lot of that nowadays, do you? It's great though. And, yeah. and, and uh, Rote's not really point-to-point, but it is split transitions and it, it is a hassle, but it's quite cool at the same time. Yeah, Everything from start to finish was well organised, clear and precise. The swim was shortened due to a big swell. We were all emailed the night before that this might happen, so no confusion on the day. Super hard rough swim with a big uh, swell maybe. Yep. He's got well there. Uh, it was only 900 metres but still took the pros nearly 15 minutes. That's great to see them actually putting on the swim, but also it's, a, it's all about the communication. Just mm. telling people if this happens... This is what we're going to do. Yep, a bike, a very hilly honest bike course with some fast flat bits, long descents, great support and very, very strong winds. This is common in the area, but it made it a hard bike course. Brutal. Uh, the run was a, some sick bastard decided to make the run interesting with a 100 metre ascent on each of the three laps in and around a windy and exposed Hollywood, Hollywood? Yep, Hollywood uh, Park and uh, the shadow of the Arthur's Seats Mountain. It was a spectacular but equally challenging run. Amazing support and great finish area. 
And how does that one? Upray Up- try. Uh, in Edinburgh City was amazing beers and great food everywhere. And the city is beautiful, super friendly locals. This is a hard race, honest course, great support, and very well executed by, by Ironman. My wife and I suffered on the course, but that's the right idea. We loved it. Hardest, most satisfying race we've done. Well done to Ironman and well done to Edinburgh. Should become a classic. Excellent. I know there's a few people quite excited about that race and good to see just some good honest tests out there. We, we, you Poms do things well over there. You've got really good challenging courses in terms of Ironman Wales. Um, I know Ironman Bolton's a good tough race and it's good to see you keeping it real. Keeping it real. Keep it on the real side of things. Okay, Jombo, let's uh, do the patrons. Yes. Uh, Adam the King Turner. Okay, we've got um, Scott Walsley. Picture right. of a dinosaur. Well, okay, go, go, <laughs> guys. If you if you haven't sent through your pictures, I'm going to make up these if you, if you are a patron of the show and you haven't sent through a picture, please do so. And the growler. The growler. Now you got to see the picture first. Okay, where, where do so, I go? So go to iamtalk.me okay. and. You, if your internet decides to work, you know, I've got my new high-speed internet, and then it's no, no, it's because I've got my new computer, John, and I'm uploading all the files to my new computer, mm-hmm. so it's taking, it's slowing down all the internet in the rest of my house. Okay, so if you go to our gallery, okay. meet our patrons. Okay, you keep talking, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom. The gallery. Scott is, I think he's training up for his first, um, first seventy-point three nice. later on this year. Go, Scott! And he's got this picture of him. And I can show it to you. Oh, no, I'm coming, I'm coming. You coming? Yep. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Yeah. He's got a picture of him. He's a middle-of-the-pack age group triathlete, working my way up here in Salt Lake City, followed by Oceanside next spring, Northern Hemisphere, and hopefully Kona 70.3 next year. Hey, come on the camp. Come on the camp. We've got Kona 70.3 camp next year, all representing the fabulous Salt Lake Tri Club. I have acute glaucoma and already blind in one eye, which makes sighting in the swim and some bike courses quite challenging. But it's not like I've lost limbs or been diagnosed with ALS, so I've endeavour to persevere. As you may note from the photos, I enjoy skiing and I run in terror from dinosaurs. Nice. I reckon the growler. The growler? It's like a dinosaur growls. Okay, go for it. The, the growler. growler. Yep. I have to say, I love our gallery page. Yeah. So cool. Who's the person who's just got the kids? You click on them and it'll, it'll tell you their name. Yeah, I went the wrong way. Okay, it is Robin Big, Mr. Big Trotman. Robin's girl showing off his trophy from a race. He got first place. So well done, Robin. In the Tiger Triathlon. Nice. This is good work. And the, the girls are looking pretty aggressive. Yeah. The next one we've got, uh, this, we haven't got any clues on this one. Brendan Sheely. Back it up. Wait a second. Look at the photos here, John. <laughs> Chris from the camp. You know, Chris Doherty. Yeah. He's got he's got his he's flying a bloody jet plane in it. Well, that's jet stream. Oh, just that sensational photo. Yeah. Oh, good work. I said, sorry, what we're doing? We are doing I know uh, the last one. You can do this one. I've got one for the last Brendan one. Brendan Shealy. 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 The teacher. He's gonna teach you a lesson. Okay. Oh nice. Okay. Okay. The teacher. Yeah. The teacher. Teaching you a lesson. Brendan, the teacher, Sheely. Now, I actually know David Howe, and I know he's into his, his, he likes his bow hunting and stuff like that. Right. So, David Hale, you could go like a Robin Hood, or what's something that's really iconic? William Tell. Um, what's funny for me is when his PayPal thing came through, it had his surname twice, Hale Howe. Hale Howe. sort of thing more like Hale the King sort of thing. Okay. Hale to the King. <laughs> yep. There we go. There we go. I like it. I like it. That's right. Yep. 
To the king. So it's, it's to, to the king. To the king. Hail to the king. Well, that was actually pretty genius here, John. I like your work. <laughs> he's a Kiwi living in Canada as well. Yep, he's a, he's a good man. Um, Jombo, okay, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. We are like the buffer. And our patrons. Legends. If you go to www.imtalk.me, it's all pretty obvious. And while you're there, you can actually check out our gallery of patrons. And I've got to say, basically, if you're a patron, you're a good-looking person because everyone on here is an absolute rock star-looking person. A few people have got pictures with their, their favourite people. you got uh, Hilary Biscay's featuring on there. you got Macca on there. you got uh, Lionel Sanders. Sanders down there. Yeah. yeah. None of us. No, none of us. <laughs> Obviously, no one's favourite people. No. But hey... Got Peter Mills, Bionic Man, holding his bike up over his head. <laughs> Who's got the photo of I beat anorexia? Who's that? Derek Wood. He's got a gold photo. Guy's really overweight. He's got I beat anorexia. It's quite yeah. good. Kevin the Assassin Hunt there is in his I Am Talk jersey with a big uh, mask over his head. Oh, it's good times, John. Good time. So you can become Patreon and get your photo up here. I tell you what, who's the guy with the watch in his hand? He looks like a serious coach. Who's that? That's Michael Turner. You've used the blue font here. I can't see it. Read it, John. Currently lives in Darwin. Yeah, he came over. He was over in France last year. Oh, okay, well he oh, looks pitch. He looks pretty serious. Yeah. So there you go. You can get your photo on. The, oh, who's the guy who's got the serious photo with the dark kind of fading there? Good old uh, Llewellyn Hartley. He's number one. He's the president of number one tri club in Baltimore Triathlon Club. Go to the Baltimore Triathlon Club. Nice. And the coaches as well. Energylink.com.au. So there we go. Oh, Bo- Balmoral, sorry. Not the Baltimore. <laughs> Balmoral. So there you go. Okay, Jombo, your goss. My goss. Going to try to get back into a little, just a little bit of exercise this week. Last night was a bit of a struggle. Really? You know, um, just try to do something something most days this week, I think, is the plan. And went down, took the kids skiing last week, got a good day and a half of skiing, and then a day of uh, rain and snow, and then it was a bit of a struggle to get home. If, uh, outside New Zealand, you won't know this, we had some major flooding and snow, and uh, we had to take the long way home. Oh, really? Yeah, we got diverted. We, luckily, we originally, we were going to get diverted about three different times. And it was what day was that? Uh, Saturday because it was it was flooding and yeah yeah we got diverted we just missed one diversion which was good they just opened the road up and when you drove through there was washouts everywhere really? and then uh, as we're getting closer to Christchurch you're, you're almost there <laughs> you get to this place called Rakaia which is about um, I don't know forty five yeah. minutes from Christchurch yeah. and then you got diverted and it just took like forever <laughs> to get home. Anyway, How we got skiing here. skiing legs? S- skiing was good because we were skiing with the kids, uh, yep. so it wasn't going too hardcore, and it was a very easy field. Yep. But if you're ever in New Zealand, you want to go to a family field, go to Round Hill, very family-friendly, easy skiing. Did First day, I put the kids in sk- sw- uh, lessons yep. um, for an hour and a half, and then they have a, a, a platter lift there or a pommer, and then they've also got a T-bar and another T-bar up the top. And Felicity, after a lesson, decided she wanted to go up the T-bar, the which is great. She got up the T-bar, no problems. And it's all blue. Well, there was a green that we didn't find the green trail, which is the easiest on the way down. Mm. Didn't, didn't find that. So we were going down the blue trail, which is pretty advanced. And it was a bit steep. And her turns, I thought her turns were a bit better than what they were. And so I was trying to manage both the kids coming down. Is this bad parenting 101? Well, it was scary parenting because we were going down through the steeper section and she just lost it and she um, wasn't making any turns and I was standing there and she just came bolting past me and I had to turn and chase her down and I was I'm Sounds s- like James Bond skiing movie. really fast next to her going, turn, turn, and she's got to turn. She was screaming and crying and you know, you just got no control going straight down the mountain and she just had to crash and it was, um, it was a good crash. 
But then next day, she she went out there and she said, I want to do that run again. And she did it and mastered it. So it was good times. Oh, good times. Skiing, eh? Oh, sounds like an accident waiting to happen. How are mm. your knees? No, they're okay. Didn't yep. go too hardcore. Yeah, didn't go too hardcore. So that was my... Uh, that was last week. This weekend, got the first round of the JD Duathlon oh, Series. Back, on. back out at Ruapuna, we got the Enduro format. The John Dave? The, yeah, John Dave. Yeah. And so the Enduro format is run, bike, run, bike, run. So oh, you run. Up, run, bike, run, bike, run. I think the first run, I think, is 2.4Ks, and then you bike 9Ks, three laps around a race car track, and then you run. It's a mile, 1.6, and then you do another 9Ks on the bike, and then you do uh, another mile on the run at the end. So transitions are key, um, but just a slightly different format, always trying to keep it a little bit different. How many uh, how, how many people do you get? Uh, I usually get about 100, 100 nice. a really good result, 150, but sort of 100, 150. It's weather dependent? It is a bit. It's looking good at the stage, 10, de- 10 degrees centigrade, looking and, okay. And it's cool because it's on a racetrack. Exactly. Yeah, good times. Um, ben, what's happening in your world? Well, John, I did go to do my double movie day. Oh, you did? Yes. We were going to go to Dunkirk at the oh, weekend. I highly recommend. Yeah. Highly yeah. recommend. Yeah. I went to see Baby Driver, which I thought was it's getting rave reviews. Everyone was raving about it. And I was like, uh, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's possible. It wasn't, wasn't main sports. But Dunkirk. And how much gap did you have between them? An hour. Right. So basically, because Joe came and Joe and her parents came and joined me for Dunkirk. Yes. So Joe wanted to do, Joe didn't care to do double movie day. So she went and did some stuff around shopping and stuff. And then I came out, had some had some butter chicken for lunch. Do you like butter chicken? I do love a bit of butter chicken. What was that look you did then? Oh, I just saw one of our campers from from France, Terry. Oh, we've given him a couple of different nicknames. Because oh. we were calling him Dirty Little Secret because he's covered in mud here, but on here it's Terry Vavavoom Besseday. Oh, Vavavoom's a pretty good one as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, bloody hell. So I went, I went to Dunkirk, and John, I highly recommend it. So, But I'm sitting at Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the guy next to me does, John? Start smoking. Farts. No? no I don't know. What's worse? He yeah. pulls out his phone. No, that's not, that's not. That's not kosher, is it? No. So he pulls out his phone once. I get really frustrated with people who pull out his phone. And then later on, he pulls out his phone again, John. So you know what I did? He's not talking on his phone. No, it's a bit of chicken as text. Yeah. But what, what, what is it? It's so disrespectful, John. To the movie and, and to you. And to me, because what happens when someone puts their phone on it? It's a big screen. You know? Yeah. And Dunkirk was so, like, I really loved the movie. It really worked for me. Um, so you know what I did, John? Yes. I smashed him. <laughs> no, no, did I didn't. You? No, no, far from it. No. Uh, he pulled out the phone a second time, and I just put my hand right in front of his screen. Really? Yeah, bloody hell. So I said, don't do that, mate. And then and pull away. And he oh didn't do it all for the rest of the movie. Yeah. yeah bloody oats. And because the worst thing is, then you're thinking about, is he thinking about me doing this the whole time? Yeah. If I ruined his movie, I don't give a shit. <laughs> if you're pulling out your phone, and now sometimes if you're in a theatre and nobody's there, mm-hmm. and you're hiding in the back, you know, so be it. But if you're in a theatre where it's action-packed, lots of people in there, and you're sitting next to someone, you do not pull your phone out. That is, that is, if you listen to Mark Kumo's movie review, they talk about... Um, what is it? The entertainment, but they talk about, oh no, the rules of the theatre, and that is one of the rules. <laughs> Number one. Number one. No phone. Yeah. And so, and, and he could tell he was pretty embarrassed because as soon as the movie finished, he scampered out of there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so you should just schmuck. Yeah. Because you go to the movies, John. You turn off your phone. You know. So I was not happy, but yeah, I literally he pulled out his phone. And I just went hand right in front of the screen, <laughs> so I couldn't see his screen. I said, "Don't do that, mate." So, yeah, yeah, bloody so, I'm, I'm still on the uh, the pictures page of I'm Talk Me or Sean Diggett Dooley on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I scroll through there. and you see them all on there. What else been happening, John? Any other goss? Um, what exercise are you going to do this week? 
some weights this morning. Oh no, I'm back. I'm back into it now. I'm back mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, getting strong. Doing back into running again a little bit. Just learning some half an hour runs. Mm-hmm. Not going to run too much in the next block. Did some weights this morning, John. You may notice my legs are looking huge. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, Jumbo. That's pretty much it. Sean of the Porno Barnes on here. Oh, he's a good man. Yeah, he's a good man. He got a bit sick himself, John. Did he? I don't know if he had an immune boost. I know silicone from there. Yeah, they're all there, John. I saw him and wrote. Yeah. Did he have a good race? I didn't get chance to talk no, to him. Didn't. Uh. No, he didn't. No. Very good. Uh, anything else? You never got That's it. Uh. That's long enough for today. No? Okay, good. I'm going to start bringing back a few interviews the next few weeks. Yep. Uh, next week, I think we've got Torsten coming up and then uh, get a bit of a nutrition chat with Ian Hallamans in a couple of weeks, which will be good to hear on that. And uh, sure they won't am, start any discussions. I am going to, and I'm starting, to, I'm, I've been sending out, putting my feelers out there to get the Legends of Triathlon back on back on track so I've sent out a few emails and uh, we'll see if we can get that done in the next few weeks as well when do we start getting the 2000s people the what people 2000s like, like a crowy when they're, when they're finished racing so we have got one 2000s person that I contacted they haven't replied yet so okay. um, yeah no, we're, we're starting to go into the 2000s yeah because we haven't got many of those guys yet and girls mm. so anyway okay let's wrap it up Iron Russ I'm the train hard train smart kick, kick up. Up.